Thank you, Pastor. We uh, in chapter 18 tonight. We're beginning to get to the end. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But don't be like one guy said. He saw the light at the end of the tunnel and he waited, and sure enough, it was a railroad. It was a train coming down the track. We have a lot of folks that are needing prayer, and I want to ask prayer for our pastor. Having pastored, I will tell you that this time of the year, between Thanksgiving and New Year's, is excuse me, one of the most difficult times of the year to pastor. The devil seems to work overtime and uh, <clears throat> there's a, a, a lot of need of prayer. We have a lot of folks that are sick. Now I, I bring my notes each week and I always generally lay them to the side but those notes to me are like the spare tire in your car. <laughs> at my age I could go blank at any time. <laughs> And hopefully, I don't forget to read. Oh, my. No, I I, I don't know if I need that because I'll be having a hard time talking, but I'll keep it in case I do. Um, Maybe I could use some water. I don't know. Um, She brought me the lozenger. We started our life as kids when we got married. She was still 17, I was 18. And that was 66 years ago today that we've been married. And uh, I want to thank the Lord for a wife who has stayed by my side and would come on her anniversary night to a church to hear me speak. But you know, some folks say, well, how in the world did you ever last 66 years? And there's, there's one comical answer, and then there's one truthful answer. The comical answer is two words, yes, ma'am. <laughs> the, the truthful answer is we started our, our Christian home in a church. We started a church. And we uh, stayed in church. And uh, that's, the, that's the answer to life's problems is the Lord. Now, we got a visitor here in the front row with me with a water bottle and the way I shake. You might have a shower. I might get baptized. You might get showered before you left. All right, let's get started. We have a long lesson tonight, but it's a great lesson. And for you folks who are going through this time of year, and you are going through depression, a lot of people suffer depression at this time, you have something to be happy about. In chapter 18, we see the desolation of Babylon, the the destruction of the city of Babylon, the headquarters for the Antichrist. Let's begin in verse 1. And after these things, now you need to note that after these things, that's of course after chapter 17, but there's a time here between it. We know 17 is a record of the destruction of the harlot church, the false church. That happens at the middle of the tribulation period. For then, after that, the Antichrist demands to be worshipped. He does away. The kings, uh, you remember, uh, slaughtered the the, uh, mother church. Just literally killed it. So, after these things, he says, I saw another angel. And this is what it is, another angel. It's not the same angel that was there in chapter 17. Come down from heaven, having great power... And the earth was lightened with his glory. 
back in the, the uh, sixth uh, vile judgment, one of the things was the earth was darkened. Now you can imagine how this gets the attention of people. When this angel comes, he, he enlightens or he lightens the, the whole earth with his appearing. And uh, it comes with great power. Some people misidentify this angel and say, well, this must be the Lord. No, he's a great angel, but he's not the Lord. The Lord is not an angel. The Lord is God incarnate, okay? Verse 2, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, and, a, and this is a strong angel now. This is not just a run-of-the-mill angel. Angels have ranks. Some of them have more power than others, and this was certainly a very powerful angel. It has a, and a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. We, we saw that repeated before, and we mentioned how that, that probably refers to the different, two different aspects of the fall of Babylon. First, the ecclesiastical Babylon, the false church, which we studied in chapter 17, and now we see the political Babylon, the government, the, the rulers of Babylon here in this, in this uh, uh, chapter. And it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Uh, this is political Babylon. This is not the religious Babylon. This is political Babylon. And uh, it's, it's other things here we'll notice. Notice in verses 4 and 5. And I heard another, another voice, excuse me, not an angel, another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Now, that should signal to you right away who this is. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. It's his people. That ye, that ye be not partakers of her sins. Now, that's referring to Babylon. And that ye receive not of her plagues. So, uh, it's twofold things that they're to come out uh, so that they are not uh, mingled with them. They're come out from among them and, and that uh, they're not suffer as they are going to suffer. Now, I, I say this. Throughout Scripture, God's always called his people out. Uh, Abraham was called out of the Ur of Chaldees. But right through the Scriptures, God wants people to be called out. He calls us out. Be not unequally yoked, the Bible tells you. Uh, you should not be uh, tangled up with the things of this world. Uh, they're not going to last. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 clearly tells us that. It says in verse 6 now, reward her. And he's speaking to his, his people, the Christians, and particularly the tribulation saints, reward her even as she rewarded you. Remember under the altar in chapter 5, uh, these saints cried out and said, Lord, how long? Uh, why don't you judge? Or why, why are you delaying? Why are you waiting? Well, the time is coming, but they're still asking for judgment. Reward her. Now, this is what God tells her. And she, uh, she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works and the cup with which, uh, which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For, the, for uh, she saith in her heart, I set a queen, and have no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plague come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and, shall, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. 
for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Uh, These are tremendously powerful uh, passages here. These verses 4 down through 8 is talking about God going to give them judgment or this uh, Babylon judgment as she has caused judgment. Uh, You you go back to the um, Old Testament, you you study about Babylon. You, You know that Babylon is one of the most often mentioned cities in the Bible, other than Jerusalem, I believe the most often uh, often mentioned, Babylon. It's a very old city. In fact, uh, since the flood, it's the oldest city. Now, we can't say be, be on the other side of the flood. I'm sure they had cities in, but on this side of the flood, uh, started by Nimrod, who was a grandson uh, really a great-grandson of, of uh, Moses, and, and uh, he had, uh, didn't have very good blood, and he didn't have very good actions. Nimrod was the one who built the city of Babylon. They built a tower called Babel, the Tower of Babel. And it was a tower that man made. It was man-made, used brick for stone and slime for mortar, and they built it uh, with man's efforts. And the design was to reach up into heaven. Heaven. Can you imagine anybody being so foolish as to think they could build something up to heaven? But it's man's attempt uh, of, of works, of all the false religions based on works, but based on works to make their way up to it, take care of themselves. They didn't need God. They can go to heaven. They can, they can look at the stars and know what's ahead. They still do that today, trying to tell the future from stars. But they're, they're so foolish, they build this tower. And it was a great tower. And it reached up into the sky. It never reached heaven, I guarantee you. But I tell you what did reach heaven, their sins reached heaven. And God remembered their sins. He remembered the history of this place. This Babylon was a, a back in Genesis chapter 10 and 11, we read about Nimrod and, and building this and rebellion against God. God told the people to scatter and, and multiply and replenish the earth and Fill it with people. But that wasn't Nimrod's plan. Nimrod was to get them together. A one world government. One world uh, country. One country. One language. One people. All together. Doing their best. But that's far less than what God can do. And that wasn't God's way. God's way was to scatter. He scattered them. That's where we have the account of God destroying their, their, their language, where they all had different languages and they couldn't understand each other, so they migrated with those who they could understand. And that is what caused the different people and the different uh, nationalities and so forth. Uh, but by the way, have a lot in the world today with the Democrats in rule. They love to stir up trouble. They love to cause people to hate one another. And they like to play this, uh, uh, you know, against the other races and so forth. If you know your Bible, you'll have to agree there's only one race. Only one race. That's the human race. And, and uh, your, your uh, heritage doesn't mean a thing. In America, we don't pay much to it because most of us don't know what we are. <laughs> we're we're a, a Heinz 57. There's a few that have a pure bloodline. Our brother here is from Russia. He may be able to uh, have a, a kind of a pure uh, bloodline, but um, uh, I know I have German blood. I know I have Irish blood. And there must be something wrong because they, they told me when I was a kid that everybody's name was Johnson back years ago. 
everybody's name. Now, you know, there's so many Johnsons and Smiths that makes you wonder, and I begin to wonder. I said, well, how'd that happen? They said, well, everybody's name was Johnson, but some of them started stealing horses, and they made them change your name. <laughs> so, Johnsons, we know what we are, brother. <laughs> okay. All right, let, let, let's get serious here. Look at verse number nine. And the kings of the earth. Now these kings are different than those kings that we read about in chapter 17, who were the kings that uh, came around, you know, the 10 kings that came around and supported the Antichrist and, and, and brought the destruction to the false prophet. Uh, that, these are different kings. These are much more kings. These are the kings of all the world. Okay? The kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear for her torment, saying, Alas, alas. You know, that's like, whoa, whoa. That great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour she is, uh, is uh, thy judgment come. In one hour. These kings were mourning. You didn't find any mourning in chapter 17 when they killed the old harlot church. They were partying, if anything. There was no mourning then. But you mess with people's money, and they're going to mourn, I guarantee you. And that's what this is all about, you'll see. The kings mourn because she is destroyed, and she's destroyed in one hour. If you go back again to Daniel, uh, Daniel lived during the period of the Babylonian kingdom, now that's a different Babylon as far as time-wise than this first Babylon. The headquarters of the Antichrist is in Babylon. Okay, This Babylon that he's talking about is King Nebuchadnezzar as he went there as a slave from, from the southern kingdom. He was taken in as a slave and he was raised there and taught at the king's house. Uh, given a great education. He had a great education, but he was just a teenager when he went there. But if you remember, after this happened, and at the very close, and in fact, it's in Genesis chapter, uh, no, not Genesis, Daniel chapter 5, where they were having the feast, you remember? And the Medo-Persians were at the gate. They, were, they had uh, surrounded the city. And they, they, but they thought they were fine. They thought their everything was good. These people did too, by the way. You'll see this. They, they didn't think anything would have happened to them. I mean, she, she thought she was a queen. I mean, she wasn't going to have any hardships, any sorrows. But Daniel tells us the handwriting on the wall, and he tells them this night. Your kingdom's gone. Your kingdom's gone. That was then. This is in the future. But that's like a, a kind of like a, a, a flannel graph lesson of what's going to happen in the end day. A lot of the events in the Old Testament are foretelling of what's going to happen in the New, especially the book of Daniel. Daniel is a, is a prophetic book. And uh, it's a great book. In fact, uh, when I taught uh, eschatology or things in the future, I would always begin the study with the study of the book of Daniel because that's the basis. And I'm going to be giving you a handout maybe next week or so, and uh, you'll see why. Uh, but Daniel had a lot of good things to say. And, and they were standing afar off. They were afraid. And they cry out, alas, alas, whoa, whoa, I can't believe this great city is destroyed in one day. I'm not old enough, 
And I don't think there's any in here. I look around as, as uh, much older than I am. But I, I don't think any of you were alive in 1929. But we saw what happened in this country in one day. Uh, in the late 20s, boy, they were flourishing. They were doing the can-can and all the all the partying and having a great old time. The market was just soaring and then very soon after that, they were jumping out of the windows, taking their life because they'd lost it all in one day. Well, that's what this is going to be like. But now notice, not only the kings, but another group. And there's three groups here that we're going to look at. The next one are the merchants. The merchants of the earth, business people, Wall Street, the tycoons, as we call them today. It says, they shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. They weren't concerned about the city. They weren't concerned about their neighbor. They were concerned about somebody buying their merchandise. They, nobody to buy their goods. And it says uh, in verse 12, the merchants of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of the most precious wood and uh, uh, brass and iron and marble. Uh, all these very wealthy material things. And then it goes to another class of cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and, and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and now looky here and souls of men. From gold to the souls of men are listed here. You know, sometimes we often wonder why God didn't tell us more about this or that. And then he'll spend so much of his word on these small, little small items. But there's a reason for it. If there's ever been an age, it's today that lives for the dollar, the mighty dollar the wealth, the things of the world. Well, listen, it's not going to help you. It goes on from the, uh, the, the fragrance and, the, and the, the fine food and so forth. And it goes on in verse 14, And the fruits that thy soul lusteth after are departed from thee, and all things which uh, were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. They're gone. They're gone. So the kings are mourning. The merchants are mourning because of the destruction of this city, this great Babylon. Now we come to the third section, which are the, the merchants. Uh, well, let's go on a little bit further. These are the merchants of the sea. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for fear of her torments and weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught. They're gone. And every shipmaster, now here's that third group, the shipmasters. You have the merchants, you have the kings, and now the shipmasters. For in one hour so great riches came to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company in the ships and sailors and as many as made as trade with uh, the sea stood afar off and cried uh, when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, that city is like unto this great city, or what city, rather, is like unto this great city. And they cast dust on their 
heads and cried and weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, whoa, whoa. The great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour she is made desolate. You can't read this without realizing the fact that when the destruction comes on Babylon, it's going to be sudden. Hope any time to prepare or make changes. That reminds me of the fact that our life ends kind of like that. And you better, you have to be careful. Today we live in a very materialistic age. We live in a day today where Christianity is, is something that's foolish. Uh, only ignorant people believe the Bible. Only ignorant people believe that, that Jesus came and was born God in flesh, Emmanuel. That's not possible. No virgin could possibly conceive. That's what the world believes. But we know better. By faith, we know better. We don't know by sight. We don't know by uh, handling it or by experience. It's by faith that we know these things. Perfect testimony of the Word of God, too. That's right. That's right. Perfect testimony. Now we go on. And in verse 20 it says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. I'm talking about people being down in the dumps. Boy, I tell you what, we have every reason in the world not to be down in the dumps. When this is all going on, we're already in heaven. We're not going to this as children of God will not see this tribulation here on earth you say well why would we study it why is it here God wants you to know all scripture is profitable and this scripture is very profitable because it will help us understand what's going to happen after the Christians are taken out at the rapture this terrible torturous time here on earth, that we've studied all these judgments, we've studied all these things that's going to happen, and now we see a sudden, quick destruction. First of the harlot church, three and a half years later, the Antichrist himself. That's who's being destroyed here. The, 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 the Babylon of the world. Now, this final destruction we'll find in chapter 19. But here is describing the destruction of Babylon. And he tells his people to rejoice. They say, well, you know, that doesn't sound just right. I mean, we're told as Christians that we need to turn the other cheek. That we need to be forgiving. We need to be patient. We need to be loving. And, and when people despitefully use you, well, pray for them. They need prayer. Well, what's it talking about here? All this happening and where to rejoice? First of all, I said we're in heaven, but these Christians here in the tribulation period are being told to rejoice over, uh, over her that uh, and and uh, thou heaven, and ye holy prophets, you're to rejoice, rejoice because. God's righteous judgment has come to be. It has finally come. The prayers of those saints under the altar in the tribulation time we read about in chapter 5, uh, these prayers are answered and now judgment is coming. Dr. Uh, what was his name? He preached a sermon that in our day, perhaps one of the greatest sermons ever preached called Payday Someday. I had the privilege of hearing R.G. Lee, that's his name. 
He pastored Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, which later went to a great Bible teacher, or Bible, and I can't remember his name, but it's not important. Adrian Rogers, right. Adrian Rogers, some of you heard of him and maybe heard him on the radio, and I think he's, although he's dead, he's still speaking on the radio and television. You can still hear him. But now, uh, R.G. Lee, R.G. Lee, I was privileged back in uh, about 1970-something to hear him preach that sermon. And oh, what an orator he was. I mean, uh, a great speaker. His message was based on Jezebel and and uh, and all that sin around there, and how that payday someday, uh, payday finally come to that old girl when the dogs licked her blood, and she was thrown out of the window. You remember reading perhaps in Kings, but now uh, here, this kingdom is down. It's down. In a day, in an hour, it's down. And then in verse 27 and on down through the close, it says, and a mighty angel looked up. uh, 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 Excuse me. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, uh, thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. By the way, Old Testament scriptures give you a lot of light on these things. And and in this particular statement, you go to Jeremiah chapter 51, Ezekiel chapter 26, and you'll find uh, information about this uh, there as well. But... uh, this, this great city is thrown down like a, like a millstone. Millstones are huge stones. A mighty angel takes and throws it into the sea. Now in the Old, the Old Testament there, we read that it was thrown into the river um, uh, you, you, um, excuse me. I've met my mind again. I'll, I'll, look at, I'll think about it in a minute or I'll look at my notes. But um, it was thrown into the river, but here is into the sea. In any case, the picture's the same. It's just thrown. You throw a, a, a rock into a body of water, whether it be a sea or a river, and, and you throw it into the water, it hits and makes a splash and disappears. It's gone. No trace of it. Okay, and the earthquakes that you mentioned there, now the earthquakes are coincide with the coming of Christ, which we're going to, we've read some about in, in the prophecy that we've read, but this, this would happen at the coming of Christ was at the conclusion of this. This is speaking here of just of the city of Babylon and illustrating its likeness as to throwing a millstone the water and it makes a splice and maybe a few ripples but it's gone. It's not coming back. This prophecy that you find in the Old Testament about Babylon's final destruction is that it's in a day that it's in the day of the Lord and that it is sudden and it's final. It's never coming back. Now those scriptures have never been fulfilled as yet. Now, what am I getting to? Well, I'm getting to the fact that I believe, as quite a few others, it's not original with me, that Babylon will be rebuilt because of the what's called the the Reformation doctrines or teachings. Uh, a lot of people connect this great city with Rome, and I don't hold with that. I've said before. Rome was just one of the girls of the house. The old mother harlot has every false religion it's ever been. All heathenism, 
all Easternism, all that garbage, uh, uh, all the cults, all that stuff are in that. The Roman Catholic Church started in 400 A.D. before they had a, a, a real church that's similar to what you know today as a church. 400 years after Christ, and it was it's never had the power or the position that Babylon had. The first world empire was Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, pictured as the gold, the head of gold on the figure, you remember? And his form of government was that of pure dictator, no challenge. His word was law. That was it. He, he spoke that you die, you died. He, he put the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, they went in. God brought them out, but they went in. Chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar goes a little crazy, and he gets, I believe he gets saved. I believe he turns to be a believer in God before his death. But uh, in any case, his, his kingdom was, was a, a worldly kingdom, and he, was, he had a world empire. The next one was the Medo-Persians. They were not a dictatorship. They were a committee run, <laughs> I call them, or church board run, you know. God calls a pastor and people elect the board to tell him what to do. That's not in the Bible, folks. That's not in the Bible. And, and, but the Medo-Persians, the king didn't have sole authority. You remember? Because of the Medes and the Persians, he had to throw old Daniel in the den of lions. He didn't want to do it, but he couldn't help it. The laws of the Medes and the Persians said he had to do it. And the authority keeps diminishing as the value of those uh, minerals that made up that image keeps diminishing. But here we have the Babylon that has all authority. The Antichrist is rule, world ruler, complete dictator. No committee telling him what to do. No group of kings. You remember they were of one mind and gave their power to him. He was sole authority. That's the kind of government you have going on here. Now, let's go back to verse 22 again. I think I might have missed it. In the voice of harpers. Yes, I did. We better go back to 21, the second part. Thus have violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Finished. And the voices are the voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpets shall be heard no more at all in thee. No more music. Jubal, uh, descendant of Cain, about the great-grandson, I think, of Cain, was the one that had the first music. And music came about in the people to try to, to soothe the suffering, the heartache, and the misery that the, uh, at the uh, Canaanites felt because they were away from God. Music today has done a lot to take people away from God. Music is, uh, today, in the day in which we live, music is probably the biggest instrument that Satan uses. They, they, you know, they say, just forget about doctrine. Let's just have a good time and sing praises. Music can be very dangerous. There won't be any music after this. No more. No more music. This kingdom won't hear another tune sung. 
It's gone forevermore at all in thee. No craftsman or whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. No more manufacturing. No more production. No more trades. Go on. Yes, sir. Music, yeah. Well, uh, I'm not getting away from the subject, but just to say this, when Moses and Joshua were coming off the mount, what do they hear? What's that music down there? Dancing around a golden calf and acting like a bunch of heathen. (laughs) Music will make people do that. And you can see that happening still today, by the way, in, in some churches. And some of them call themselves fundamental churches. But, they, but no more craftsmanship. Now verse 23. And the light of the candle shall no more at all in thee. The street lights are going to go dim. What's that street of town they talk about? Uh, has the screen overhead. I was up there. So what? Fremont, Fremont Street. <laughs> Fremont Street's going to be black. <laughs> Streets and cities will be just like tunnels in the cave, a dark cave. No more lights. The light has gone out. <laughs> and then it says, And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. No more marriages. Uh, Babylon, back ancient Babylon, and I'm sure in Nebuchadnezzar's day, uh, the weddings were quite a celebration. I was born and raised in Pennsylvania where they have all kind of different ethnic people. I could go on this street, be all Italians, over here be Polish, over here Hungarians. I mean... And all speaking their own language. You talk about speaking in tongues in a mess. They they have it. They uh, but but they uh, it's 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 funny. It's funny in a way at their weddings how they would go for days. I think Greek weddings will last like a week. Italian rest weddings don't they don't last much less. And I mean drinking and carrying on and drunkenness. Yeah, that's the day in which we live. But there won't be any more weddings. There won't be any more bright lights. There'll be no more music. It'll be all gone. No more at all indeed. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by their sorceries were all nations deceived. By their sorceries. That word sorcery, you know, it, it comes from the word pharmacia, or it's, it's from a, 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 the Greek word we get medicine and drugs and stuff like that. Now, there'll be thy sorceries were all nations deceived by their sorceries. I believe, I believe this is talking about drugs here. There'll be a lot of witchcraft. There'll be a lot of demonism. And it's increasing even in our day to day. It was very prominent during the time when Christ was here on earth before. And demonism will be, again, a very heavy thing. There'll be a lot of demonism. But sorceries, drugs, mind-altering drugs... I believe the, the, the drugs that we're just seeing the beginning of the entrance of it now. Whenever I was a boy, I mean, you heard that there was such a thing as marijuana. And you heard about people that had a monkey on their back. That meant somebody addicted to drugs, you know. 
And, and I never knew anybody like that. I mean, we lived in a pretty tough neighborhood. I'm sure it was there. I didn't know about it. But, but just in my time, now it's legal. I heard today on the news that probably that's going to be in history that'll go down as being one of the worst laws that they ever passed in this country when they legalized marijuana. Yeah. The, the mind-altering drugs that are in this world today. And, and, and we don't know, you know, we don't know when the Lord's coming back. We're, we can't even biblically say he's coming soon. We don't know. We don't know the day nor the hour. And uh, myself, I look at it as if God is setting the stage. You know? He's setting the people that we read about in the end times. Russia, China, Egypt is an old country, but some of these others weren't even heard about them. But they're today in history. They're, they're in news today. You don't read about America. That's one reason why it makes you think maybe it's going to be a little while before the Lord comes back. How could we lose all this? Well, just look at the last two years. <laughs> How, how much have we lost in two years? When I was a boy, it was against the law. Homosexuality was punishable by prison. Today, you're put in jail if you talk about them. We, we live in a world that's getting bad very quickly. But how long? God's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish. And he's got more patience than we have because I would have called quits a long time ago. <laughs> Verse number 24, And in her was found the blood of, the pro of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Jeremiah 51, 49 tells you that too. But now you have these times are coming. Praise God, here we know it's finished. All the, the, the suffering. We're going to pick it up in chapter 19 next week, Lord willing. And we're going to see the coming of Christ. First, he's going to marry his bride. That's you and I. That's the New Testament church. That's the one that was raptured in chapter 4. Okay. Chapter 4 is taken up. You never read again about the church until chapter 19 when she comes back with the Savior. And there's a wedding. First she has to make herself ready. That's the judgment seat of Christ. That happens after the rapture and before the wedding. That's going to happen. You say, well, we have to uh, answer for our sins? No. There's, the judgment seat of Christ is not judgment as you think. It would be better to think of it as a uh, high school graduation. It's a graduation. That's what I used to say when I had funerals for people. I'd say, uh, you know, these folks graduated. It's good night down here, but it's good morning up there. And, and, it's, and it's that way with God. He has given us all these precious promises. They're, they were guilty of all this, and now it's over. The judgment has been finished. We now go to a blessed part. We see in chapter 19 the wedding. We see the coming of Christ on the white horse. And we're coming with him. 
and we're going to see the battle finished. It's finished. It just hasn't acted out yet, that's all. But we've read about it. In chapter 20, we're going to study about the millennial reign of Christ. When he comes back, in chapter 19, he sets up his earthly reign, the throne of David. He'll sit on that throne. David, I believe, will be there also. And they'll reign for a thousand years. He'll say, oh man, that'll be a time of no sin. And No, no, wait a minute. Don't get ahead of yourself. The devil's locked up. All of his demons are locked up. The world is reigned by Christ. Righteousness shall rule. The peer pressure in that day will not be to do wrong, but to do right. But you know what's still there? Man. Man. No matter how God works with man, you start with Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. No matter how God works with man in any dispensation, Dispensation of innocence, dispensation of the law, dispensation of grace, tribulation, millennial reign with Christ on the throne and the devil in jail. And at the close, it doesn't take him very long when he's loosed for a short season to gather a great following and rebellion against God. Man's heart is desperately wicked, folks. This lady back here told me some folks tell them just uh, follow your heart. You better not. You, you know what you better follow? You better follow this. The sure word of God. That's what to follow. Well, my time is going. I, I wanted to take a minute to thank the Lord for my wife. I'm going to embarrass her because